0: This is the visit the zoo podcast episode number 74 today we hear about killer bees And hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Visit the Zoo podcast. I'm your host, Fred Fishman, and I am the author of the 12-book, 120-animal series of the Visit the Zoo Kindle books, print books, audiobooks, DVD, and I want to direct you to our websites. We have our main website, which is at zooanimals.info. That's Zoo animals, and that's plural, zooanimals.info. And my main author website is at Frederick Fishman. It's spelled F-I-C-H-M-A-N, frederickfishman.com. And if you want to access our four merchandise sites, you can do that from one portal, and that's at zooswear.com. That's Z-O-O-Z-W-E-A-R.com. And also, don't forget, I think I announced this last week about our new daily blog that i've put together and that's at daily desert that's daily desert all right take care of business what do you say we start Our first segment is usually the news, where I will read to you one news story, then I'll tell you about the curated content you can read on your own. And this first news story is, the world's earliest known animals may have not looked the way we thought. And it starts off by saying that we don't know a lot about the world's earliest animals, but thanks to their 558 million year old fossilized remains, we thought we had a hint as to their appearance. Now it seems we were wrong about even that. Scientists at the Australian National University have discovered that the iconic Dixonia fossils are probably not flat sea creatures with ribbed bodies. As it turns out, the iconic image of their fossilized imprints may simply be their skeleton. Or, since these organisms didn't technically have skeletons, an outline of their more resilient tissue. Now we know that we are looking at an impression of a soft, organic skeleton that may be anywhere within the Nixonian's body, says lead investigator and author Ilya Bobrovsky a biochemist from the Australian National University. What we are seeing could be part of the Dixonia's bottom, the inside of its body, or maybe part of its back. These soft-bodied creatures that lived 558 million years ago on the seafloor could be, in principle, have mouths and guts analyzing the physical properties of the limestone sediment. Barakovsky and his team have figured out for years how these fossils stayed so well-preserved for all these hundreds of millions of years. It's a mystery that's been plaguing researchers ever since fossils were first discovered. Imagine you've never seen a human being you've never seen a dinosaur or a bird the same way we have never seen other organisms that look like these ediacaran creatures it means we have as much difficulty as aliens would have had with reconstructing dinosaurs it just goes to prove you should never judge an organism by its fossil that story is from nature ecology and evolution and here we have our five curated content stories and you can find them by the way either by going to the links within the description at zooanimals.info or you can go to our blog site for this podcast which is at vtzlife.com that's vtzlife.com first story would be on that list agency collects animals killed by cars poachers for tribes and that's in flagstaff arizona next story curated content is mate croup. it's the animals who need the protection at zoos number three story do animals have rights i got an answer to that question you bet number four body size influences the resting positions of most animals and finally story number five our goal is to save the animals and that's our curated content. Again, you can find that, those links in the description at zooanimals.info, or you can go to vtzlife.com. that'll get your attention won't it those are bees and those aren't just ordinary bees those are killer bees i'm pretty sure you've been hearing about them and in the 1978 movie the swarm great clouds of angry bees at Entire cities and sting hundreds of people to death. This is pure fiction. It can never happen in nature, right? Wrong. The killer bees ancestors lived throughout Africa, south of the Sahara Desert. They were accidentally introduced into the wild Americas during 1956 when Brazilian scientists were attempting to create a new hybrid bee in hopes of improving honey production. But, which is no surprise, the Africanized bees escaped and began to dominate the native honeybee. The new hybrid took many years to establish colonies throughout Latin America, but they did and they multiplied rapidly. The killer bee is aggressive, easily agitated, and all in all, it's a bee with a bad attitude. The first Africanized bee was found here in the U.S. in southern Texas in October of 1990. This bee is expected to spread across the southern United States where winners are not So harsh. Some scientists and entomologists believe that the Africanized bee will be able to adapt to colder weather in Rome as far north as Montana. Yikes. If this projection is true, it could be a significant problem in the U.S. for many reasons. Now, there are differences between European honeybees and the africanized bees and let me give you those differences first of all european honeybees they pollinate flowers and crops as we all know they're calmed by smoke and they swarm only when they're crowded the africanized bees are more aggressive attack in larger groups make less honey make less wax hate high-pitched sounds and they swarm more often So the question is, well, what causes them to attack in large swarms? Well, they can remain provoked for days after being disturbed. If one bee stings, it releases an alarm that smells like bananas. This pheromone causes the other bees, in turn, to become agitated and sting. The aggressive Africanized bee colony may attack any perceived threat within 100 feet. Generally, they attack when the colony is threatened. When they hear loud noises, strong odors or fragrances, shiny jewelry, and dark clothes, and they go for the face and the ankles. So I guess you may be asking yourself, if you live in the Southwest United States or in Texas, where they are presently, that's where they're congregating, and they're moving north slowly. Well, what do I do if... I run into a swarm and I start to get attacked. Will you run away in a straight line protecting your face. Africanized bees are slow flyers. Africanized bees are slow flyers and most healthy people can outrun them. Try to avoid other people or they too will be attacked. And do not try to hide underwater. Listen to this. The Africanized bee swarm will wait for you to surface. Oh, give me a break. You must seek medical attention right away. Some people are allergic to bee stings, which can cause anaphylactic shock. Since Africanized bees attack and sting in great numbers, it is possible for them to trigger an allergic response. Well, here's just some questions. How much honey does a European bee colony produce compared to an African bee colony? The European bee colony produces five times more honey than the Africanized bee colony. Why is the Africanized bee so defensive? Well, their color, size, shape, are traits that bees pass along from generation to generation. And the Africanized bee is a distinct hybrid, passing down the trait of defensiveness with each shock. How does a queen bee control her nest? Your release is a fair no. And what happened? This is interesting. What happened to Brazil's honey production a result of the introduction of killer bees? Brazil went from the fourth largest in world honey production. 27th in the 1920s entomologists in texas are working hard to monitor the northward spread of bees and they are tracking them with traps made of cardboard boxes another attempt involves inserting european honeybee sperm into africanized bee before releasing her into the wild hoping that she will produce less aggressive bees in the process. And you're probably asking that the biggest question is, well, in the U.S., how many people actually die from these bee stings? Well, uh, in the United States, up to 100 people die each year from the bee stings. All right, we are at the segment where i either read a poem or i give some quotes or like last week i read some really stupid jokes and i'm not going to inflict that on you this time i'm going to read a poem by bayard taylor and he was an american poet literary critic travel author and diplomat and he lived from january of 1825 to december of 1878, and this poem is called A Night with a Wolf, and the style of it will be reminiscent of poetry that came out in the 19th century or the 1800s. This poem is called A Night with a Wolf. A little one come to my knee, hark how the rain is pouring over the roof in the pitch dark night, and the winds in the woods are roaring, hush my darling and listen, then pay for the story with kisses father has lost in the pitch black night in just such a storm as this is high on the lonely mountain where the wild men watched and waited wolves in the forest and bears in the bush and I on my path belated the rain and the night together came down the wind came after bending the props of the pine tree roof and snapping many a rafter. I crept along in the darkness, stunned and bruised and blinded, crept to a fir with thick-set boughs and a sheltering rock behind it. There, from the blowing and the raining, crouching, I sought to hide me. Something rustled, two green eyes shone, and a wolf lay down beside me. Little one be not frightened i and the wolf together side by side through the long long night hid from the awful weather his wet fur pressed against me each of us warmed the other each of us felt in the stormy dark that beast and man was brother and when the falling forest no longer crashed in warning each of us went from our hiding place forth in the wild wet morning Darling, kiss me in payment. Hark, how the wind is roaring. Father's house is a better place when the stormy rain is pouring. And that is episode number 74 from the Visit the Zoo podcast series. And I want to thank you very much for joining me. Again, as we always entreat you to do, that is subscribe, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or any place else where you listen to this podcast. And don't forget to check out our merchandise site with dozens and dozens of items. And to go to the portal with all the links we have, we're on four stores. Go to zooswear.com, that's Z-O-O-Z-W-E-A-R.com for all those quick direct links. So again, thank you very much for joining me here on the Visit the Zoo podcast, and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.